All right, folks, welcome to this week's Passing Period and all of the above podcast extra. We appreciate you listening to our full episodes, which drop every other week. And uh, this is a extra little bit of content just for the podcast listeners. Um, but do remember, you could always go to our YouTube and uh, see video extras that we have there. And uh, we want to talk about a story. Um, but first, Jeff, I don't, Jeff, could I trust you with a secret? Maybe. Um, I am a mandated reporter in uh, three different states. Just keep that in mind. Three, oh, that's big time. Big time. Um, yeah, well, no, you won't have to report this, but um, if it could just stay between you and I. All right, I got um, you. Just the two of us on these lovely yeah. condenser microphones. Yeah, so um, so I recently celebrated my birthday a couple, uh-huh. couple days ago. Uh-huh. And, uh, happy, happy, Manuel. I turned, um, I turned 40. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So hard to say. Don't tell nobody. Old man. Yeah, man. You mad old, Mister? Man, don't tell anybody. Um. <laughs> so yeah. So I've been in the game for a minute, and you know, I was just thinking back to my first year teaching, and that was during the time of the war in Iraq, and all the news recently about developments with Iran and um, our president's action. Well, your president's actions. Um, let's we got in we the. Got, let's pause there for a moment the, let's, let's do another take <laughs> this your president nonsense <laughs> please continue um, so yeah so you know i've been in the game in you know for a long time and as a teacher I, i've this recent news has really highlighted for me how much has changed since my first year's teaching and how students are I guess processing the news or reacting to news differently than they did back during 2004 when I first entered the profession with regards to, um, in this case specifically, um, war in the Middle East. So um, I think we should talk about it this week because we didn't take time in our most recent episode to talk about Iran and all the craziness and impeachment and all that craziness. So you were a history teacher and... um, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts about how the teaching of history, especially at this time, and not just history, but all subject areas when, you know, kids are looking at their phone and seeing stuff from all around the world and Australia's burning, presidents being impeached, ongoing developments with Iran, all this craziness. Yeah. Like, how's that impacting the classroom and how we sort of think about those uh, current events, so-called, um, yeah. in the classroom? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. That's a big question, Manuel. I think that uh, one. I I love this question because we've talked about it a few times on the show. Our yeah. you know our very first episode, in fact, yeah. uh, you know, talked about politics in the classroom and what's you know what's responsible and appropriate, um, and that was I think. Um, driven by the the recent election that had just recent produced, at the time yeah, yeah at that time had just produced a uh, a new president for us um your president as some might say uh so you know i think it's a topic that's fascinating because how you feel about it might change over time and depending on when uh, you asked the question. And I think I have always, I think there's maybe a part of every history teacher that feels some sort of sense of moral, uh, debate and sense of like needing to hold an ethical line of like, I need to inform and empower my kids without just indoctrinating them to be what I am. Right. Cause that's not, 
you know, no one wants that, right? Um, and yet, on the other hand, so, you know, as, as I think about this topic, I'm, I'm reminded of, um, this is uh, a quote from uh, Elie Wiesel's uh, Nobel speech, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the quote goes as follows. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. Sometimes we must interfere. And those profound words, I think, hold a lot of resonance for us right now, whether we're talking about the, uh, you know, the assassination of a military leader in a foreign country that threatens uh, not only to bring the United States into active, you know, uh, military conflict with another country, but to do so on top of crippling economic sanctions that are, you know, harming the, you know, the poorest and most vulnerable in that country that is in a region of the world where we have done un- unspeakable crimes, uh, where we have caused massive deaths, migration, refugee crises. We've committed horrible, unforgivable acts of torture. Right. Um, and where we continue to do many of those things, uh, you know, and, and in Afghanistan, fighting a war that there are people who are serving now who weren't born yeah. when the thing started, right? Um, and nobody can look around and say they've got like a really great reason <laughs> why, yeah. why we are doing this to those people and why we are paying for it. Um, and so, and that's just the, the war angle, right? right? And just a slice of the American war angle, uh, around the world. And so, uh, when you compound that with climate change, when you compound that with impeachment and the, the, the criminality and just overt, uh, uh, you know, violations of the emoluments clause and corruption, uh, that we're witnessing right now, um, I think it does call us to have uh, to have a different approach, right? That like when the immorality is so strongly present uh, in in the sort of forces of power in our in our world and in our society, I think we are actually ethically called to speak truthfully about them. Right. And the sort of both sidesism that the the mainstream media uh, typically does with things to create controversy and ratings right right um but some things are actually wrong right yeah. uh it's bad that australia is on fire and there's a billion animals that have been killed and the air is hardly breathable right, right. it's it's bad that we are bombing people in other places and it is bad that uh you know poor people are homeless at shocking rates right and these sorts of things and so um I, you know, I think my thinking has evolved since that first episode. I think we have reached a point where it is irresponsible to teach uh, with the the veneer of neutrality about what's happening right now. Yeah, yeah. And I recognize that's a dangerous thought, but I, I I think that's where I come to rest. So, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, we just recently had Leo Glaze on our show, a uh, dope history teacher, and um, again, we only invite the uh the dopest of educators to um, be on our show um and i'm pretty sure most of our listeners are really dope educators that may one day visit us in the studio um but yeah he was speaking about his growth over time in his in the profession and realizing that playing that so-called neutral background role wasn't what's right 
um, and wasn't what served students best. And um, just like you said, your thinking has evolved even since that first AOTA show uh, episode. Mine has evolved for sure. And I think back to that first year teaching um, midst of war in Iraq, um, George W. Bush and all that. And I remember purposely making sure that I wasn't stating any kind of particular opinions or positions related to uh, George W. Bush and the war, because that's how I was trained that, you know, as a teacher, you're supposed to provide, you know, the content and not, you know, bring your own per personal politics into it. But it's not personal politics. And I think, uh, you know, that first episode, I, um, one of our guests at the time, I don't remember if it was her, or it might have been you saying that this isn't, there's a difference between partisanship and, speaking up for basic human dignity and basic human rights and when it comes to something like critiquing or criticizing or calling out violence in the middle east in this case um that's not something that's partisan we're really talking about humanizing folks and you know my students this week they came in asking like rustin what do you think about world war three what do you think about world war three like they were you know partially you know some of it was all jokes because there's so much so many jokes and memes on social media about the potential for a world war three in a draft and some of that is like people's coping mechanism and some of it is just like social media is just wild and crazy and uh, students are seeing all this and they come in and they ask me i'm not going to sit there like first year me would have been like there were that's not you know today's lesson is about french revolution we're talking about french revolution but 16 year me is not going to avoid and dodge that question because that that like I can't speak on it. It's, you know, I'm not going to lead you in any particular way. That's, that's whack. And that's dehumanized. So I, I actually spent that first day um, after these events hit the news, uh, speaking with students about Iranians who are their age in school right now, and trying to emphasize for my students that um, those kids are just like them. And those kids are on social media. Those kids have hopes and dreams of, of going off to college, supporting families like and I, I was emphasizing with students to not let our discussion, when I say our, I just mean mainstream uh, d political discussion about the Middle East, sway them into believing that Iranians are somehow different than them. And to remind them that for us, for you, maybe you have real concerns and anxiety, but for them, it's like a real immediate threat of like immediate physical harm um, based on the developments and based on what was going on. So I've been trying to, as a teacher, do more to focus on humanizing and helping students see that they have more in common with those kids in Iran than they have with their own polit political leaders and politicians. And um, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough because so much is going on. Because then the next day, it's like something else that they're, you know, going crazy about and, and, and feeling uh, scared about. It's really tough. But I think more discussion needs to be had among uh, schools and districts about no matter what you teach, no matter what age group you teach, making sure that you are, for one, like listening to your students, because a lot of what might seem like, you know, they're just trying to just distract the class and not move forward with that day's lesson. A lot of that is actually real anxiety and real fear that, I mean, one would expect if you are a youngster seeing all this stuff and hearing about all the stuff that's going on right now. And uh, I think we need to have more discussions about making sure that you tune into that as an educator and respond to that as an educator and um, help students process all the craziness that's going on. And Leo, um, on our show, he, he emphasized that, like, he's hoping to build better humans. Like, he wants uh, his students, when they leave his class, um, to be better humans and everything that comes with that in terms of um, being, uh, 
you know, loving and humanizing and thinking about um, how different actions in our history and our present um, affect different people. And I just thought that's that's perfect right there. Like we can't just be quiet and allow the violence and craziness to go on. Like we are trying to raise better humans who could be hopefully better than our generation and previous generations have been with regards to these issues. Yeah. <clears throat> Pardon me. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's right. I I I was very moved by uh, Leo's comments last time as well, and um, it actually made me think about something we've we've mentioned a few times over the years on on the show, which is this this idea. I think I've put out there at least, and I, I'm not sure if you agree or not, but I think there is an inherent culture of school, right? Um, schools are different in different parts of the country and you know maybe this is not true everywhere in the world but certainly in all the districts and states and schools that i've worked with uh across the country a common thread like one of the things that lets you know you're in a school uh -huh. <laughs> right is uh there are some basic values that are pretty much present everywhere right um, and maybe they're not lived up to consistently or well enough but at least on paper and at least, you know, on the walls and like people right. know that it's supposed to be this way. Right. And they're fairly simple. Right. They're like everyone has a place here. Everyone's, you know, dignity should be respected. Everyone is equal before the, you know, the law, so to speak. Um, and, uh, you know, and that they're in all of our diversity um, that does not reduce our right to that to those rights and privileges, right? So whether you're a boy, whether you're a girl, whether your, you know, gender expression is right. something different, um, you know, whether you are, um, you know, uh, LGBT or whether you are black or whether you are a speaker of English or a speaker of another language, right? That like it is this incumbent upon the school to create an environment in which your rights and dignity are respected. And I think that um, we we in this country, you know, maybe you could make the case and, and um, you know, I'm sure there's lots of evidence for that, that like we've never, ever even come close to living up to, you know, to those kind of kinds of values. Right. But we are also now, I think, in a place where we're maybe at a bit more of like a critical tipping point, right? Where like the masses of students, the majority of students in American public schools are students of color where America's demographic shifting is such that, um, you know, we are, we are no longer the kind of like white nation that was trying to figure out how to deal with this little bit of people of color here. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, and as a result, we are, I think, being compelled to examine ourselves and our behavior and our actions in a different way. Um, and so, you know, when something happens like the, you know, the clearly illegal bombing, uh, you know, of another country and the clearly immoral, uh, right. you know, act of war. Right. And not a war of self-defense, but wars of imperialism. Right. Um, that we we are compelled to speak on those things and uh, and both for the reasons of addressing the physical danger <laughs> issues that right, right. I think you named, but also, you know, if what is our job as schools and as educators, if not to produce educated, enlightened young people who will grow up to be old people and be in charge of our civil society, right? Um, and so how can we not 
<laughs> how can we let these clearly flagrantly unacceptable things happen and not address them mm. right and i get that what i'm saying is, a, is like potentially a slippery slope right like right, someone right. else could sit here with just as much conviction and say god made the races separate and that's why we got to have the races separate right 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 um so i get that it's dangerous but i also think there are some universalities in in what is good and what is not good uh, and you know, a thing like war, which we've been taught to think of as glorious, you know, romantic in some ways, uh, rather than horrific and oppressive and violent and the worst thing that can happen. Um, you know, w we are compelled to speak to, I yeah. think. Yeah. And I think on this Martin Luther King Jr. Weekend, um, it's important to remind everybody that, you know, the. I have a dream speech is but one glimpse at King's overall activism, which did not just include efforts to um, integrate, but also he was a very outspoken critic of the war in Vietnam. And that message gets overlooked quite a bit. But, um, you know, as we look at an increasingly, I don't know, maybe not increasingly, but an incredibly violent world and an administration that is clearly pro military pro um preemptive attack if necessary or if convenient um it's important to remember that um i don't know man we got it we got as teachers you, you we have to emphasize nonviolence. we have to emphasize humanizing pedagogy we have to emphasize that and like you said it's a slippery slope in the sense that there are plenty of educators out there who think otherwise and that's one of the real problems that i see is that there's a well but here so if i if i can interject yeah, for a second right so what gives me a little bit of comfort about the slippery slope is that the the sort of value of school point uh yeah. that i was bringing up earlier that uh if we are creating a space that respects all people mm. right that gives us a bar against which to measure <laughs> our actions right and so it is not true that it is creating a safe space that respects all people if our lgbt students are afraid to be themselves right right it is not creating a space that's safe for all people if our you know girls are afraid to walk around alone right or these sorts of things right, right? and so i do, as much as i think you're right um i also think there are uh there are in some ways aspects of school that are inherently more you know, whatever the adjective you want to place on them, liberal, progressive, humanist, right? Um, then they are conservative, uh, you know, uh, right. But do they do politically conservative educators see that? Because you could say the Perhaps same thing not. for like yeah. all men are created equal, you know, and, and, and argue that if that's a true American value, then we should not have legislative efforts to block whatever trans rights and all these other things you know yeah but it seems to be this sense of like oh it doesn't mean that in this case yeah you know that's that, that's my concern like I, it makes yeah. sense yeah. it makes sense but so much that's out there just for whatever reason doesn't click in a r rational yeah. way when it comes to a lot of these issues you are you are a hundred percent correct about that. I think, though, that doesn't mean we shy away from pushing the issue. Oh no, right? for sure. And, and I think the we've definitely 
we've definitely crossed the line, I think, in some ways of being just too neutral. Yeah, right? to, for sure. To, to call up Ellie, uh, you know, Vicel's words again, right? Like that neutrality is harmful. It's right. not actually safe. Yeah. Right? And so um, I can imagine that this perspective uh, makes a lot of people really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and people might feel it's even dangerous in some ways. And I, I can certainly empathize with that. I probably would not have felt this strongly about it even, you know, just yeah. a few years ago when we first talked about this. But, um, you know, we're we're seeing existential crises. Yeah. You know, I mean, how many hundreds of millions of climate refugees are we looking at here in the coming years, right, if we don't take drastic drastic actions this literally the city we are in right now <laughs> yeah could be underwater uh if it's not on fire yeah in a, in our lifetime right yeah. Exa exactly right so yeah all right well that was a fascinatingly <laughs> depressing passing uh. period passing period is normally it's not that it's upbeat but that was yeah i mean it's the world we live in right now, and how, how we stuff. are a, we are a product of the times. Yes, we, we live are, in Manuel. We are. Yes. So if this is your first passing period that you've listened to, um, we're sorry if this was a bit of a downer, but uh, I think probably um, you would agree with us that this is um, this is something that as educators we need to um, explore quite a bit more, especially with regards to how we are interacting with students and speaking to students and listening to students at this time, um, for sure. If I, if I can maybe end on a quick uh, yeah. quick positive note, I do think what's tremendously empowering about the moment we're in right now is both the, the wokeness of the younger generation, Indeed. Um, you know, and their, their understanding, the hope in general that comes with youth, but also their understanding of the fact that the world that they are being left is not the way it should be. There's right. something here is amiss, right? Um, right? And the power of education to equip people with the tools, resources that they need in order to do things differently. And, uh, you know, we have Twitter and Facebook and, you know, the internet and all these fancy things. And at the end of the day, our power is with people, masses of yeah. people. Um, and young people are that, right? And so that gives me some hope and, um, you know, gives me some sense that it's it's not too late. Indeed, indeed. Um, very well said. I couldn't think of any way to say it better myself. So I'm going to just leave it at um, thank you for listening to this um, passing period. And this is a three-day weekend for a lot of y'all. So definitely take care of yourself. Enjoy. And uh, if you can... Um, try not to spend the whole weekend grading papers and, and doing all that. I know the pressure is there for you classroom teachers to do that, but um, take some time for yourself. And we'll be with you next week for a full episode in which we will be considering the question of whether or not to stay in the classroom. So stay tuned for that. That's coming at you Friday. And uh, enjoy the rest of your three-day weekend if you have that. And uh, we'll check you next time.